0: Good morning, New Covenant. How are we this morning? Now, I know your English teachers taught you better than that. You're supposed to say, well. Isn't that correct? <laughs> In Oklahoma, though, we say, we're doing good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can anybody say that with me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God! I'm so excited this morning. I'm going to endeavor to uh, bring to a close what we've been talking about for the past three or four weeks, and I'm so grateful, CJ, for having an opportunity to to always break the bread to the body. And uh, I'm I'm very very appreciative of what the Holy Spirit uh, chooses to do through me if I'll just learn to yield to Him, as well as everybody here uh, has that opportunity to be vessels. Amen. And that's what. What uh, Pastor Dale was talking about this morning to allow the rivers of life to flow from us because that is the Holy Spirit, the life of God inside of us, the anointed one and his anointing Christ in us, the hope, the expectation of his presence. And so this morning we're going to uh, uh, finish out here with some talk about what is this thing called love, the higher affair of the spirit, little s, your spirit. Your spirit, because it's a spiritual affair. And I want to talk just very quickly over in First Corinthians chapter 2. I want you just to hear these words. It says in verse 13, 1 Corinthians two thirteen. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. The people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. Why? Because it all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Now, I think it's so interesting to see that in that Scripture, borne out exactly what we've been talking about over the past several weeks with respect to trying to understand this concept of love. And the fact that we are not just dealing with one type of love, but we are in fact dealing with love that, that exists on every plane of in every dimension of our lives. We have the love, if you will, of the flesh, and, it, and, and the Greek word for that is eros. E-R-O-S. And guess what? We get a word called erotic that comes from that. And that's got a lot of perverted negative uh, connotation to it. But the bottom line is that's the fleshly kind of love. Then you have the love phileo. And that is the love that's based on emotion. The love that's based on reasoning. The love that's based on experience. And then you have the transcendent love of the spirit, which is agape love. And that's what we've been talking about. Is the difference between these. And so we can see in this scripture... The reason why sometimes the spiritual or well, all the time, the spiritual truths are not discernible by your soul without enlightenment of your spirit. Amen. I mean, the, the, like the psalmist said of old, or the Proverbs of old say that it's the spirit of man. That's the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. You know, the thing is, it's the candle. It's your spirit that is the light. What is a candle? It's a light in the darkness. I can have such darkness that I can't see my hand in front of my face, but you have someone strike a match and light a candle and it will pierce. It will dominate that darkness, at least in that area. Amen. Everyone can gravitate to that light. Everyone can see by that light if they get close enough to it. And so I'll tell you that it is your spirit that illuminates your mind to try to accomplish and to try to do and to try to understand and ascertain the things that are of the spirit with the mind is irreconcilable. You can't do it. That's why we don't understand the principles of God. That's why so oftentimes we work and approach the word of God in vanity because we're trying to understand it from a dimension that is outside of its existence. It's a spiritual truth, this Word of God. Why? Because God is Spirit and His words are the essence of who He is. And they are Spirit, if we are to understand them. The life of those words is in the Spirit. Now we can understand why Paul said, The law kills, but the Spirit giveth life. The reason for that is because the life is in the Spirit. It's not in the words on the page. Because the words on the page, we can read and read and read like a story. And we can receive some, some understanding uh, from logic and, and from reasoning. But folks, it's so much more transcendent when you are able to approach the spiritual things with your spirit. That's how you receive them. So now we understand when we talk about agape love, which is a spiritual principle, which is a spiritual thing then we have to understand that the only way it's active in our life, the only way that we can actuate its energy and and see it function in our lives is by and through the spirit, little s, our spirits, living and accessing it by our spirit because that's where it exists. It doesn't exist here in this mind. Okay? So I just wanted to bring that uh, scripture to you because it explains spiritual principles are understand, understood by the spirit very plainly that's my that's the way i would paraphrase that scripture spiritual principles are understood by the spirit mental and intellectual principles are understood by your mind by your intellect physical principles are understood and palped and sensed by your physical senses you see what I'm saying? Those different dimensions. So it's important to understand when we approach things that are spiritual that we have to approach them by, by the Spirit. And how do we approach them? We approach them by faith. Because faith it has to deal with the expectation of things you don't see. The things of the, of the soul and the things of the, of the mind and of reasoning and the things of your, of your flesh are all wonderful because guess what? We can see them. We can understand them. We can work the principles. And, you know, I just want to say something this morning by the Spirit of God. It's not about the process. It's about the posture. You know, I was sharing Thursday night to our young adults. It's not about the process, folks, with regard to all the things on this orange card. This is a wonderful, wonderful list of practical things that we can do in our lives And these are excellent things. But please don't get focused on the process of what is on this paper. These are are different activities that you can choose to engage in. But let me tell you one thing, folks. It is a matter of the posture wherewith you do these. That's what these are supposed to do. Not, Not a single one of these things we are doing to move God. Not a single one of these things. Why? Because the Word of God is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. It, his, his principles, His truths, His reality, His life is as near as your ability to reach out in the Spirit and through the Spirit and unseat them by faith as you are given revelation. And how do you get that revelation? By putting this asunder. By putting this aside and approaching with this unto who He is. And how do you do that? By things like fasting, that is not moving God. That's moving you out of the way. Amen? And things like giving and things like praying, it's putting a focus on the reality of who you are first, and that is spirit. Did you know that you existed as a spirit essence before you ever came into being? That's how God could know you. Before you were born. That's what it said. Isn't that right? The psalmist of old, you knew me before, in my mother's womb. You knew me even before the foundation of the world. Well, how could he know that? Because the essence of who he had planned for you to be was in spirit. Man, this is nowhere where I was intending to go this morning, but it's the life that's coming out of my belly. Hallelujah. And I'm going to fall by that function. I'm going to function by the unction because that's where the life is at. The life is not in your reasoning and soul to try to approach the things of God. The life is in what you reach down in this, not not just a well, but the rivers of God that you tap and allow to come out of you as a vessel. That's all we are, folks, is vessels. And it says we have this precious, precious, precious treasure in earthen vessels. But hallelujah, just like Gideon and the folks of old, God desires that through this season we have our vessels broken. So his light can shine. Do you remember that story? They broke the vessels and and they had candles in them, right? Man, there's such a prophetic uh, significance in that. That's the treasure inside of you that God is destined for, for the foundation of the world for you to carry and then be revealed at the appointed time. And guess what it does? It confounds the enemies. It confuses the enemy camp, and it sends them into a confusion process whereby they even slaughter and kill themselves. And the battle is then the Lord's. Hallelujah, and the victory is yours. Praise God, hallelujah. Okay, so we've been talking about agape love. Okay, so I'm going to just flip on back here, and I promise you all the notes. And I'm going to get those to Kalen this week. And Kalen, would you please post, is that okay, CJ, to post those on the website? And for those of you all that wish to download these for further study, excellent. I, I want to give you that opportunity. You're happy to. And I don't believe in copyrights. Y'all can take this. This is not a work. I mean, yes, this is a labor of love. There's a lot that goes into this. But guess what? It's the word of God and the life of God that's come out of my belly. It's not mine to to decide who gets and who who doesn't. It's God's desire that every man, every woman should receive the truth and be set free. Hallelujah. So you you go ahead and, and take these and download them. Do with it whatever you will to, in as far as studying, but I'm going to make those available to Kalen this week, okay? I'll uh, email them to you. Okay, so let's, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to skip through a couple things here. The bottom line is there's going to be some things in the notes I'm not going to cover, so that's an even better reason to get a hold of them, because there's some more stuff in here that we're not going to cover. We just don't have time. Okay, so let's look at, uh, at something here. I want to talk about agape in practice. What does it look like? What does agape look like? I mean, I want to talk about putting the rubber on the road this morning with agape. I want to talk about the essence of defining agape by the word of God under the unction of the spirit. Okay, so if everyone will turn to guess where? First Corinthians 13. Thank you, CJ. (laughs) ha How many of y'all were wondering, dear Lord, we're going to talk about love and you've never even talked about the love chapter. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about it this morning. Praise God. I saved it. I saved the best for last. Praise God. I'm going to set my gum right there, so don't let me forget it. I did and I picked it up and chewed it after I got done. Okay, so. I could say I could talk about my dad dad a little bit but I won't. He believed in chewing the same piece of gum all day long. <laughs> okay, so the agape chapter if you look at this folks, trust one thing that every time you see the word love, guess what it is? That's right. That's right. It's agape. It's agape. You don't see any word from which love is translated from the Greek, the original manuscript that the Bible was written in, except agape. And that's what you see here. So really, this is the agape chapter. You want to learn about agape, then you're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And when you go to this chapter, the entire chapter really defines and it sets the course and it sets the pattern of agape in the life of the Christian. That's what this is really about. And, and you know, we must understand that the context of this chapter is really set following the discussion of the spiritual gifts in chapter 12. So if you want to read in chapter 12 at some point in time, I invite you to read and see. It's important when you open the Word and Scriptures of God, one of the first principles in getting revelation from the Word of God is to read it in context. It's so important so you don't get in error in the ditch. And misinterpret things. Have you ever heard someone say, well, my words were taken out of a context? A lot of political candidates talk. Well, my words were taken out of context. They didn't mean exactly the way you've taken them to mean. Well, you know, the same holds true for a letter. Don't just pull chunks out of it and then make it what you want it to be. But get in there and start reading the first part of it and the last part of it and the part before that and the part that follows after that. And try to see if you can understand the context of it. In order to achieve revelation. And so we'll see in chapter 12 that literally God, uh, 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 the Holy Spirit through Paul is laying out the foundation of spiritual gifts and how they operate. I mean, how many people love the spiritual gifts? Praise God, man. I love the spiritual gifts. I long to see the body move in spiritual gifts. I long to see the manifestation of the spirit through the body unbridled. Unbridled. I mean, let the pneuma winds blow. Praise God. Let them blow through these vessels. I tell you, when we get to the place, I'm like you, CJ. I've heard you say this before. We get to the place that we begin to tap that. And we start seeing not just one or two or five or six people, but the entire body-wide yieldedness and submission unto the pneuma winds and it's blowing through all of us equally. You're going to see me jumping across the backs of every one of these pews in in exaltation unto God and excitement. And you said the same thing, CJ, when we get to that place. And I believe it is that we're going to come to that place because we are going to, through love, build this body up. Amen. Just like Paul said, we are going to build, it, build ourselves up through this agape, these agape principles. But, you know, we put such a focus on the desire for the manifestation of the spiritual gifts, and that's wonderful. But in the end, Paul sets forth what he terms a more excellent way. So we can see in chapter 12 that he lays out a very uh, uh, defined uh, and, and needful expression of the Spirit of God through all the nine spiritual gifts and then how the different gifts work in the different offices that he set in the body and the members that are fitly joined and so on and so forth. And then the thing is, is after you go through all this and you see the supernatural potential of all this and and really what we ought to oftentimes view as spectacular and that's the thing, I remember a minister, he's one of his favorite, or one of the things he said all the time was, so many people focus on the spectacular and they miss the supernatural. And, you know, we get so focused a lot of times on what we think is so spectacular to see arms grow out. You know, Ron, one day you're going to have your leg again, brother. It might not be here in this earth, but you will have it again in heaven, i promise you that. And when we see each other up in heaven, mean you're going to go do a dance. Yeah. Hallelujah. You'll have that leg, but who's to say that the spirit of God would not at one point in time manifest himself in a a working of miracles and manifest your leg right before you in this body? Or out on the street, better yet. I'm telling you right now, that's what the spiritual gifts are about. And guess what it's about? It's not just about edification of just the body. It's about evangelism. Because how many people are going to witness that and not know God and they see something like that and fall on their face in the reality of an expression of love that just happened? Do you see? That's the transcendent reason for the gifts. It's really the manifestation of agape. And we can see as we flow through uh, chapter 12 and we get to the end of it, Paul even says, you know, these are great. This is the Greg version. These things are excellent that I've been talking about. Oh, you all desire them. You all want these. You crave them, especially the more, the more powerful gifts, you know, the prophecy and the things that build up and edify the people. But wait, 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 wait. I'm going to wait to get to the place now. I can't wait to talk about it. It's a more excellent way. It's a more excellent way. And then guess what we do? We transition into chapter 13. And we talk about the even greater, greater Uh, manifestation the greater uh, reality okay so so we see in the first three verses examples of spiritual activity and operation talking about first Corinthians 13 1 through 3 verses 1 and 2 convey instances of being used in a particular gift of the spirit and then verse 3 shows instances of great personal sacrifice let's turn over there right quick and just go through it's only 13 verses Let's just look at this right quick. So everybody's over there except me. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others. And again, every time you see the word, just go ahead and replace it with agape. Agape. If I didn't agape others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. So we see here a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, a manifestation of the Spirit of God through someone as they are yielding to to Him. But yet we see that really the transcendent reality of that expression should be based on one thing, and it's agape. That's why we are allowing that to work. That's why we work in this. Verse 2 says, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, how many folks would like to know just a little bit of what God knows? Just a little bit. Wouldn't you, Miss Teresa, I'd love to know just a little bit of what God knows. Well, you think that would change you? Oh, and it would change people around you. As you revealed it by the Spirit of God, amen. Amen. That's wonderful, but I want you to see as Paul under the unction of the Spirit is setting forth here, if you had that and you could, you could discern the fullness of the knowledge of God and, and if you had such faith that you could move mountains, you could be like what Jesus said over in Mark 11, 23 and 24, that if you did have that faith, that small amount of faith like a mustard seed, that you could literally say to this mountain, be thou picked up and cast into the sea and it would have to move from your presence. How many think that that would be a wonderful expression of the power of God in your life? Wouldn't it be wonderful to move in that kind of faith? Oh, it'd be awesome. But I want you to see that that, that there's a reality of of this in terms of its expression. It, It should be expressed by and founded upon one thing, and that's agape. And if it's absent, it's meaningless to you. Look at that. It says, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Verse 3 says, if I gave everything I have to the poor. And you know, so many of us look at people that are philanthropists. Does that sound familiar? Philo, philanthropist. Yeah, it's because the root word philanthropy comes from phileo. It does. It comes from brotherly kindness, affection, love. That's where philanthropist comes from. It's a derivative of that. And, you know, we look at people like Bill Gates and people that have all that kind of money and they give the millions and millions and billions or whatever it is. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. That's wonderful. But, you know, in the end, what if you gave every cent that you had, according to what Paul says here, and you did not do it for the right reason? It profits you Nothing. nothing. That's right. Nothing. And then, you know, it's wonderful to give. And I invite you to give. And I invite you to engage that in your life and to ask, like Paul said, that the grace of giving, that you would excel in it. But listen, it's for one purpose. It's for one motivation. It's for one reason. It's to convey one thing. And that's agape, who is the essence of God himself. Okay? And it says that if I, even if I sacrifice my body, and you know, we've had people that have sacrificed their bodies for what they believed in, burned at the stake, whether it was things of spiritualism, you know, things of God or not. It says, I could boast about it. I could talk about how much I suffered in this life. I could talk about how much I gave and how much I laid my, my uh, self down for, for uh, humanity. But if I didn't agape others, I would have gained nothing. Isn't it interesting that after coming out of laying down the spiritual gifts, we see him start with, Several spiritual gifts here in these first three verses It right on down to submission to the place that you would give your body up to be burned even for what it is you, you know that you're doing for your cause. And you know, it does, in Paul's setting, he's saying, See, now let me show you a more excellent way. And then he sets some examples out there to show you that the transcendent reason for what you're doing in the foundation and really where the life is at and what you're doing, it's the same as the letter kills and the Spirit gives life. The, the the obedience and the things that you do would be equated or analogous to the letter. But listen, the Spirit is really Agape. That's where the life is at. That's where the power is at. That's where the dunamis uh, reality of the spirit is at. It's in the spirit of what you're doing, not in the, the practice of it. Not in the, again, not in the process. Man, we're so oriented to process everything we do, right from brushing our teeth to getting up in the morning to go to work. How you put your pants on. How many of you have put your right leg in first? Why don't you try tomorrow putting your left leg in first? Why don't you try tomorrow tying your left shoe first, for those of you all that are right-handed? See, you'll you'll see real quickly you've come up against a process that you've developed in your life. So many of us are process-oriented, but again, I want to submit to you, like Paul is saying under the unction of the Spirit, it's not the process, it's the posture. It's, It's not the process, it's the posture. And I messed up my phone, hitting it. Okay, so. so the value of these activities for the person through which they occur is the same if agape is not the foundation of why you were doing it. And guess what it is? Nothing. Why? Why? I would ask this morning. That's a big three letter question word for a question this morning. Why? 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 Because, well, agape was lacking as the foundation, or most importantly, the motivation for why they were doing these things. That's the reason why. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to look in verses 4 through 7, and we're going to define agape, setting forth its characteristics. And so what I want to ask you this morning, as we go through these, I want you to ask yourself one question. Do any of these things typify your actions? Do any of these things in verses 4 through 7 characterize how you live, characterize things about you in your life? I want you to ask that question, not condemningly, just honestly. Honestly this morning is you judge yourself. It's okay to judge yourself. The Bible's very clear about that. You judge yourself. And that's what I would ask this morning. Judge yourself according to these verses. Okay, so the first one is, let me just read through this. If I gave everything I have to the poor, oh, let's see, verse 4, love is patient and kind. Let's start out with these first th- first things first. Love is patient. You know, this is agape in passive form. many of you have heard, I've heard, I remember Pastor Dale's preaching a sermon. He was talking about the passive aggressive act. Patience is a passive, aggressive thing. (laughs) It really is. And it's the passive form of agape in your life. In other words, everything to do with patience doesn't have to do with things that you are actually doing unto others. It has to do with things that really you don't do unto them. You see that, Morgan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It has a lot to do with, and it's not just an endurance game. So many of us look at patience as an endurance game. It's like, how long can you last? you know. And there are those of us that can last a long time. You're very long patient. You're very long suffering. Praise God for that. But guess what? There's nothing in the Bible that says that that those that are long suffering, you know, uh, receive the crown in terms of how long you can be patient. And there's nothing that says agape reaches the limit of that patience is what I'm trying to say. Agape is unlimited. If you really look at it, it doesn't say that it doesn't say love is very patient. In other words, there's a conditionality of patience. It just says love is patient. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so, so what I would ask this morning, you know, I mean, this, this again is, is love in its passive form. It's expressed in long-suffering. It bears, it believes, it hopes, and endures all things. How long this morning do you take things with people How long? You know, we see here that agape love takes and takes and takes and takes and takes and takes. It doesn't go and takes and takes and takes and takes and then I respond. It just says love takes and takes and takes and takes and takes and takes. And then guess what it says? It's kind. Some of the translations hook them together. Love is patient and kind. So it takes and takes and takes, and takes, and takes, and takes, and takes, and takes, and then it's kind. Okay. Again, we're talking about spiritual things with spiritual words. So we have to receive them by the spirit and they are life and reality in the spirit. Not your mind. Again, we're talking about agape. It's a spiritual essence, a spiritual thing. Okay. So love is kind. Kindness is love and action. It's expressed in usefulness to others. It's expressed in benevolence. We talked about that. It's never insolent. Kindness. I think most people, you know, have a good concept of what kindness is. It doesn't repay for evil. And then it says love is not jealous. You know, this, this, this is love in competition. Love isn't jealous. This is love and competition. How many of y'all like a good competition? Oh, I love it. I love it too, brother. I love to watch it. There's, a, there's my favorite season of competition forthcoming. It's football. I mean, football, it, I mean, I have, to, I have to watch myself. I have to buffet my body when it comes to Football. I love to watch football. I love to just get into it and hear all the sports, the analysis and all this kind of stuff. But you know, in competition, agape isn't jealous. This is love and competition. It isn't jealous. It's expressed by rejoicing in the blessing of others. It doesn't envy. So this morning I would ask, do you find yourself exasperated at the promotion of others of the family of God? Does that tweak something in you when you hear someone give a praise report about something that God has done for them? Maybe this is an issue. What about the inclusion of others in the inner circle of your friends? There's a rubber to the road concept. You know, how many of us, you know, love and 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 have a warm fuzzy for our inner circle? Oh, yeah, man. It's like we're we're close. You know, remember I was conveying last week about Peter when he was talking to Jesus. See, that was his concept. It's me and Jesus. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. You can almost hear Peter singing that, you know, as he's talking to him. Yes, I love you. You see what I'm saying in that? What about when people break that inner circle and other people are included? How does that make you feel? Love isn't jealous. Okay, so then love also is not boastful or proud. This is love in hiding. Agape love never parades or boasts of itself. True love lets its work speak for itself. That's what I want to get across this morning with regard to the the pride of life. Really, the bottom line is agape always does its work under the unction of the Spirit of God and then lets the work speak for itself. Amen? Amen. That's what that's what this is talking about. Agape, love, isn't proud. It's not rude. How many of us ever witnessed a rude act in a day? You know, this is love in society. Love isn't rude. So much of our culture has abandoned honorable manners. Well, what was that lady's name? Was it Polly Manners or... Whatever it was, there was a columnist that was in the... Jimmy, shaking your head. Was that her name? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? She used to be a columnist in the in newspapers. Mrs. Manners. You know, I mean, a lot of that stuff is fluff, and I don't care about a lot of the whether my salad fork goes on the left side and blah, blah. Place setting stuff. Just give me a fork. That's all I need. And I can use the same one through the whole meal. I don't need five of them. Ha, <laughs> ha. I know there's some reasons for that, but I will tell you that there is a core and principle of honor in being mannerly. You know what? So much of this culture has denigrated that, has counted it, has counted it of low value. Disesteemed it. I'm not talking about poly manner stuff to do with your table setting. I'm talking about just the simple things like holding the door open for somebody. That's exactly right, and, 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 and of course it should be holding the door open for women, but guess what? Hold it open for your brothers too, and hold it open for the person of low stature in society, and hold it open for the person that has all the wealth in the community, and hold it open for the person that you don't know. It doesn't make any difference. That's agape in, you know, that's agape in society. You know, it's just, it's become, the thing is, politeness is becoming more and more an exception rather than the rule. It used to be a rule when my parents were growing up. Politeness was a rule. It wasn't a matter of, it, of just people, well, those people are just exceptional. No, it was something that you saw common. People treated each other with respect and with honor. Why? Because it's preferring your neighbor. Younger generations tend toward discourtesy so easily. Man, this is something I can preach on. Love isn't rude. Okay, and then you can go on a little bit further here. Love does not demand its own way. It doesn't think about itself. This is love in essence. Agape love always considers others ahead of itself. Christ lived his life as servant of man. I'm talking about the the one and only word of God who existed with the ancient of days before we ever... There was no such thing as time beginning for the Father God. He just always has been, always is, and always will be. And And the word was with him at all times. But you know, the thing is, this agape love motivated the word of God. To forever doom himself. And I'm going to use the word doom. He forever doomed himself unto a physical body by coming in the flesh. And all of this just to buy back man unto God. Did you ever stop to think about that? That our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He was with God as Spirit. He was with Him, the essence of who He was in His life created for us. The Word of our Father God with Him from the beginning. And there was no beginning for Him, if you want to just get right down to it. But yet, in the mighty plan of our Father God called redemption... To buy and purchase back man unto himself. The word agreed with the father that he would come down and take upon himself the likeness of the vessels he was purchasing. I'm telling you all folks this morning that Jesus forever doomed himself to a body. Just like we've got. And I hate to, I know that word doom sounds terrible. But if you stop and think about it, he stripped himself of all his glory to come down here and manifest himself in the same likeness as we are. He had to do that to walk it out, just like we can walk it out just like we can walk it out, so that he could live and accomplish the law in this vessel. And then after he uh, willingly gave himself up, you know, laid down that life, he said, it is finished. And at that point in time, every jot and tittle of the law was fulfilled by someone in the flesh and bone body, in the flesh and bone vessel that was the original authority was given to and then was yielded up to the devil as a result of sin. But now he purchased it back, Purchased us, to, uh, uh, you know, a, a salvation, a redemption for those that would just accept that sacrifice. That's all we have to do this morning is accept that great exchange. So love doesn't think about itself. It doesn't retaliate. It doesn't seek revenge. Some translations even render this doesn't behave itself unseemly. Does anyone have that translation? Doesn't behave itself unseemly. You know what? Agape love isn't weird. Agape love doesn't promote weird actions, promote people to do things that are weird and stick out. You know, working to attract attention to itself. This is a particular test, litmus test, of many of our actions. You know, things like how we dress and how we communicate. So much of this culture and society is about weirdness. Who can get weirder? Why? Because they want to stand out from everybody else. I'm telling you this morning under the action of God, agape is not about that. Agape does not, it prefers its brother, it prefers its sister. It's not trying to make a show of itself. It's not motivated to make a show. So be careful about that. Okay, so the next one is love isn't irritable. Does anyone tend towards irritability? I'll raise my hand. You can talk to my my, uh, family, you can talk to my wife and my kids. And you know when it happens when I'm tired? I'm not providing excuses for it, but it's just the truth. You get tired, man, or when I'm hungry. I'm just, I'm just, that's the truth of it. I get tired or hungry, but it's a melt, and that's the first thing my wife will say, you need to eat something. <laughs> well, why? Because that's the flesh. Agape doesn't manifest through the flesh, and it doesn't manifest through the soul. It's a spiritual thing. And when I'm hungry, that has to do with my flesh. It doesn't have anything to do with anything else. So we got irritability. This is love and disposition. Agape love is never irritated. It's never resentful it's never inflamed against someone and some translations include easily here it's not easily irritable but i'm going to tell you that to be true to the original manuscript you don't really include that word that word is a superfluous word someone just added that in other words agape love isn't irritable period not agape love isn't easily irritated meaning that it go a long 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 time and then you get irritated No, agape love isn't irritated. It's not irritable. That was added. Okay, love keeps no record of wrongdoing. That's the next thing. This is also love and disposition. Agape love never keeps score. We are talking about forgiveness today. That's what forgiveness is about. How much score are you keeping on your fellow brother and sister? About their wrongs. About the things that you have not approved of in their actions. And it could be against other people and the things they're doing and not against you personally. It could be something they did against Pastor CJ. It could be something they did against uh, someone else. It's just something you saw them do. Are you you in a position that you've got that uh, as a tick in your scorecard? Agape doesn't keep that. Doesn't keep a record of it. Agape doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. But rejoices with the truth. Then... It, this is love in conduct. It's righteous. It hates sin, but never glad when others go wrong. You know, I have to admit this morning, there are some times that my flesh and soul relish, wants to relish at the, at the plight of some people. I can think of someone like Osama bin Laden. I'm just putting the rubber on the road here this morning. And, you know, sometimes your soul's like, yes, that's what he deserved. And my soul does do that. You know why? Because my mercies are not enduring forever. My mercies are not. what from my soul, my mercies come to an end pretty quick. And with regard to some of Bin Laden and with regard to some of those people like that, my mercies came to an end a long time ago, soullessly. But that's why I'm saying, that's why you've got to tap down into your heart and release him whose mercies endure forever. Hallelujah. Him whose mercies endure forever. Agape himself, our Father God. It's righteous, it hates sin, it's never glad when others go wrong. Agape love always seeks and desires the truth at all times. Okay, and then moving into the last things of this phrase. Love never stops being patient. It never stops believing. It never stops hoping. It never gives up. This is all agape. This is love in profession. It's love in work, love in the things that are, that are going on in life. Agape love is slow to expose. Oh, how quickly in this society we even have uh, magazines that are all about one thing, and that's exposure. They want to expose the dirt. They want to open wide the closets and say, see, see, see. And it's a billion dollar industry every year, multi-billion dollars in terms of the press and the media that goes into it. They even have, what's the name of those people, paparazzi? They're all about exposure. I mean right down to physical exposure too. They want to try to snap a shot of of every person in their raw element so they can expose it. As if those people shouldn't be expected to do those things. Man, that's the thing, you know, it's like, oh, I'm so surprised that they did that. The thing is, if you had paparazzi hounding your trail all the time, you'd have just probably just as many pictures in the magazine as those people do. I'm sorry, but that's probably the truth for some of us. This is love and profession. Agape love is slow to expose. It's eager to believe the best of people. Its work is always sincere. It knows how and when to be silent. The Bible talks about study to be quiet. You know, there's a lot of people and a lot of times, and I'm one of them, it's so important to just stop talking and be quiet. You know what I'm saying? There are just those times with your wife. You know what? You need to just shut up. Amen, wives. I have to get before God and ask forgiveness for that and my wife. Why? Because I want to. I want my side given. You know, love doesn't seek that. Agape love. That's a, that's a that's a litmus test right there. Oh no, that's not agape. Right there it is. Now, my wife's not going to use that as a whip and beat me over it next time we have something like that. Right, honey? (laughs) He knows how and when to be silent. Study to be quiet. Listen to your spirit and just go with the flow. And if the flow ain't there, then no show. Don't talk. Just be quiet. It's a lot of times the best thing you can do is just not say anything, particularly as it pertains to close relationships like husband and wife. Sometimes just be quiet. That doesn't mean you turn it off and don't talk to the person and communicate with them. I'm just talking about you just be quiet and not have to have your say in it. I'm a person. I've been completely free before this body. I'm a person that likes to have my say. I do. My wife will acknowledge that. I'm just being open this morning. Here I am up here delivering the word of God. I'm not up here delivering it as a perfect vessel. I struggle in these things too, folks. I'm just seeing some ways through these things that that can lead me to victory. And I'm sharing them with you this morning. Hallelujah. I need to study to be quiet. Agape always expects and it never quits. Have you ever wanted to quit? The string of characteristics of this love ends with perhaps the greatest statement of all, and it's this, love never fails. I love that because you start out with failure, failure, failure without agape love, but then it it builds you up and defines what agape loves. and And the cool thing about it is it puts it in practicality. It shows you how it's put on the road. Right. That shows you how agape is put on the road. And then guess what? As it travels down the road, as you as you are are endeavoring to understand this by way of the Spirit and have your mind illuminated through this and have revelation of all these elements about love as being patient and love as being kind and love doesn't seek itself and love does not you know uh, boast and so on and so forth. And then you get to the end of this and you see this long string of love never stops being patient, love never stops believing, love never stops hoping, love never gives up. And then the most important thing to put the final punctuation on it is that agape never fails. And here's the reason why folks, because really one can better understand this chapter. If you replace the word love with God, G O D capital G O D Why? because God is love. Remember, that word's agape. God is agape. So guess what you can do? You can do like an algebra, algebra equation. You've got a variable, and you know what that variable is. X equals uh, God. Agape equals God. So you can put God in there everywhere you see the word love. And you can read through this and listen to what this says. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand his own way. God is not irritable. And God keeps no record of being wronged. Would everyone agree that that's the truth? Amen. Amen. Now I'm very close to being done folks. God is a God paid, but I'm going to tell you an even deeper and even deeper things, please everyone if you ever listen to one thing, listen to this. you can replace the word love with spirit, little s. Spirit, little s. Since God is spirit, it's the essence of who He is. He's a spirit. Just like Jesus told the woman, well, God, a day is coming and has now come they that worship him worship him in spirit and truth. Why? Because God's a spirit. You don't worship on this mountain and on this mountain, this mountain. No, eventually the time's coming has now come whenever I'm going to enable you as you receive uh, the remission of your sins and become a vessel that I can come actually in to worship and, con- and counsel and and uh, commune with me from spirit to spirit. That's the higher way. It wasn't a matter of, well, it had to be on this mountain that we worship God. That's what our forefathers said. No, our forefathers said it was on this mountain. No, it's a matter of the Spirit. And so if you want to, you can actually say, use the transitive property here. Pull back to your math and use a little logic here and say that if God is love, and and God is Spirit, then love is Spirit. Agape is Spirit. You see what I'm saying? If agape is spirit and God is agape, then agape is spirit. If A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. And so then what you can do is you can go back into this word and you can put the, little, the word spirit in for love. Listen to this. What have we talked about? Understanding spiritual words, spiritual principle by spiritual words. That's where you understand it. That's where the essence and the reality of this is. So then what you see is, is you say the spirit is patient and kind. Uh, If I'm living by the spirit, my spirit is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. If I'm living by my spirit, my spirit does not demand its own way. My spirit is not irritable. My spirit keeps no record of wrong. You see how that works? So to me, that's an even a transcendent revelation because that puts the rubber really on the road with respect to how we walk this out. You walk it out by the spirit. You can't walk it out in your soul, in your mind, in your reasoning and in your flesh. You have to walk this out by the spirit. And it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith. Okay, so the whole of relationship with God and by God and by the Spirit is agape love. Our desire should be to grow in agape love, to yield to its work in our lives, to fellowship with and by it. If every relationship was founded on agape love, it would never fail. Never, never, never. If every decision were based on and purposed for agape love, they would never fail. Because agape never fails. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Agape is our loving God. And he's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit for those that have believed and engaged him. So we have agape inside of us. We're without excuse. But we have to walk this out by the Spirit. I want to throw out an example this morning. For those of you all, and I think many of you all this morning are married. And I want to speak to, to you husbands this morning. And I want to just tell you as an example of what I just talked about. Listen to what Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives. Guess what the word love has come from? It's agape. It's not phileo. It's agape. I hope that is a revelation to those of us that are husbands this morning. Because I want you to listen what Paul says. He says... To agape your wives, even as Christ also agaped the church and gave himself for it. And i tell you, one of the greatest uh, things that are being perpetrated against the body of Christ is the dissolution of marriage. The CJ's talked about this is the dissolution of godly marriages, people that are founded in creating those covenants by the spirit of God, you know, between each other. And I'll tell you this morning under the unction of God, this is the reason primarily why it can even come in and, and things can happen to the, to the uh, relationship is because husbands, we need to agape our wives. That means we need to love them in a love that's transcendent to our experience with them. Do you see what I'm saying? And if we did that, so much of the issues would be taken care of. Guess what? If I would just do that when I get into an interaction with my wife, I would shut up. Come on now. It's our business, husbands. It's not the wives to produce, to, to guard the peace in our home. To produce it and cultivate it. It's our responsibility, not our wives, to cultivate love. To cultivate peace and kindness and things that, that this verse Corinthians 13 is talking about. Amen, husbands? I tell you what, this morning, if, we, if, if husbands and wives would prefer each other and would, and would, would transcend to, to walking by the Spirit in their relationship when it comes down to putting the rubber on the road in that relationship, we wouldn't have the tenuous issues with, with marriages we've got today. We wouldn't. Why? Because the constant interaction would be preference of the other. Can you imagine a relationship where you preferred that person? But no, they preferred you more than you preferred them. And it became this feed forward dynamic process. I'm sorry for spitting over your way. (laughs) Father, we are just so grateful. We look unto you, our covenant lover. You're the lover of our soul. Oh, God, we just ask that you would fix this by the power of your Spirit into our soul. You would engraft it. Give us understanding, oh, God. By the Spirit, illuminate our minds. Oh, God, bring this to reality. Oh, God, bring this to our remembrance, Holy Spirit. Stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance in the night seasons, oh, God. When we get into interactions with each other, Father God, and most importantly, with our wives. Oh, God, help us. And, Father, with each other, help us to prefer one another. We thank you for the open door of opportunity that we have, yes, in the Spirit. And I thank you, oh, God, that it's an open door to agape one another as you've commanded us to do. Because, oh, God, it's by that agape we'll be known. That's what you said to Jesus. And we just ask, oh, God, that a mantle... Of your agape love, Lord Jesus, would come down upon us as a cover, as it's intended to be, as we relate to each other. That we would prefer one another, oh God, that we would count it, we would count it not laws, O oh God, to look across the aisle, Father, and see someone, Father God, in a greater value than ourselves. Oh, Spirit of God, just work this in us by your grace. Oh, I just thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. And now I would just ask that everyone, released by the Spirit, just as much as you have released judgments in your heart before we took communion, I want you to say of your own accord, from your Spirit, by faith, I release a god faith unto my brothers and sisters this morning. I want you to release that by your mouth this morning. Oh, God, I release agape over this church. Oh, God, I release agape over every person in this room. Oh, God, I make a demand on the agape that's been shed abroad in every person's heart that knows you. Oh, God, I make a demand on it because it's the supply that brings the growth, the maturation of your body. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. So I would just encourage you this week to focus on these concepts. And most importantly, when you think about that person and it comes up in your mind again, the negativity, the tendency to judgment, the tendency to criticize.